0: Welcome to the BDC podcast, a podcast in which staff and students at Barking and Dagenham College share insightful and entertaining conversations with the digital learning team. We hope to enrich the community at the college by making connections in each fortnightly episode. I'm Nathan. I'm a digital learning apprentice.
1: I'm Bailey. I'm also a digital learning apprentice.
0: And today we are joined by a level three digital media student. How are you today, Beatrice?
2: I'm good. Thank you for asking.
0: Are you excited to record a podcast?
2: Uh, yes, I feel like there's some um, insightful things I can say here. Great.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. So you're the second student that we've had on this podcast. And as I mentioned in the intro, you are a digital media student. How are you finding the course?
2: Uh, the course is interesting. It um, There's a lot of things that we have to go over. We have to do camera work, editing sometimes script writing if we're doing our own projects so it's um, very varied in what we have to do
0: so what would you like to talk about today on the podcast
2: um today i'd like to talk about creative writing and characters because this is something i'm very passionate about something that i've been told that i'm quite good at so i feel like maybe i can share some advice for anyone who's possibly listening to this
0: i think i'm going to find this really interesting so i i'm also um interesting creative writing. It's something I do in my spare time. Um, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. So when did you get into uh, writing?
2: Um, I started writing from a very early age. Uh, In primary school, we always had to do writing assignments and most of them required for us to be creative. So because of this, I learned quickly early on that I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed coming up with new things. Not only that, but, you know, we all watched cartoons and TV shows when we were children and they have their own storylines and characters that we look back on fondly now. So it's always been there.
0: Yeah, I think when you're young, you kind of pick up creative ideas and stories through things like cartoons uh, that you can use in writing assignments that you do at a very young age so I guess that did you find the creativity there
2: yes I'd say that as well yes because you know it's all bright and colorful and it grabs our attention immediately so when we're children we're not necessarily like you said we're not really realizing it we're kind of just consuming the media but you know we um, we use what we've seen and then the ideas that we come up in the future is going to be an amalgamation of all these things. And also just real life. Like when you go to the shop, let's say you're going to the shop and something funny happens and then you think back on it and you think, Oh, that would make a really funny story. So it's like real life and fiction. It just comes together.
0: So Tom Mudd of season one, episode six of the BBC podcast fame, uh, recommended you for this podcast. He told me that you did really well on your GCSEs and that you are an aspiring writer as well. So would you like to talk about uh, what you're writing at the moment?
2: Um, At the moment, I'm, I'm always writing in a sense. Sometimes you could do like a little drabble, just some ideas out there. Sometimes you could be focusing on a story with multiple chapters in it. At the moment, I'd say I'm not really writing anything at the moment. I'd say I'm taking a bit of a break because I wrote a story that's supposed to have around 15 chapters. I've only done 11 chapters at the moment. I'm planning to finish it but um, because I post my stories online and I have people read them and they engage with what I'm writing. But at the moment, I'm taking a break. So, But I guess that's the most recent thing I've been writing, a story.
0: Okay. And what's this story about?
2: Um, so the story follows this uh, girl who's blind and her mother is very overprotective because of her disability doesn't let her daughter do much on her own but then there there comes a point where this 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 blind girl she's left on her own and she meets someone else and they help her they teach her confidence And she starts to learn how to be more capable. One thing that I have in the story is that she holds people's hands a lot so they can guide her around. But now she's starting to build the confidence to walk on her own. And she's got heightened senses. Like she uses her hearing and to basically decipher where everyone is. It's, uh, yeah, she's um, going through her character development at the moment.
0: Right. So how does this character progress? Or do you not want to give that away?
2: Um, I think she's already in her progressing phase. It's okay if I say it. Um, So one thing that I've mentioned about her is that she's someone who's very, you know, I'd say... Like a, a typical child, writing child characters is difficult because sometimes you can border into writing a character that comes across as annoying and people are like, I don't want to read about that. But I think to write a child character, you have to have curiosity and innocence. These are the two things that come together to create her. She's curious about the world, especially since she doesn't have sight like most other people. So she's very curious, but this could um, lead her into being into dangerous situations. But she's never experienced it before. So the first time she's in a dangerous situation, she doesn't know what to do. She's panicking. She's freaking out. And like the story is a bit more action heavy. So there was a scene in the story where she almost loses her life because of this. But luckily she didn't. But yeah, um, so she once she has that experience, her viewpoint of the world is completely shattered because she thought, oh, everything is all cotton everywhere, like protective layering. And then she realizes the world's really not like that.
0: So it's almost like a coming-of-age progression.
2: Yeah, I'd say it's like that.
0: With writing children, in your stories, I guess you have the ability to kind of show that progression in a really natural way.
2: Yeah, um, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't super long ago that I was a child myself. Um, I think the most important parts of, you know, childhood is just learning. That's the big thing. And there were a lot of stuff I didn't know, things that I had to learn. And when you're writing your your protagonists, usually most protagonists are pretty young. And the point is, is that they're gonna go from point A to point B. They have to develop along the way. And usually when you're making a protagonist, like um, the people who are reading or watching whatever you're making, they're gonna be in the protagonist's shoes because maybe they might not know that much about the world that you're setting your story in or how things work. So it's good to add that curiosity in them because the curiosity that the audience is going to have is going to be the curiosity that the protagonist is going to have as well. And um, you know, just you can also have fun with it. I'm not saying characters can't be annoying; sometimes they can be. But as long as they progress and they make a significant change throughout the narrative, then I think you can get away with it. People be like, "Oh well,
0: they've changed." So I guess it's about knowing your audience.
2: Yes, that's extremely, extremely important. Um, You know, when you're going to write something, you need to look into the genres and you need to see what's popular. You need to see what's good with audience and what isn't good with audiences. Like you can't just make like a brutal dark story and then have like a protagonist that's just not fitting in within this story. It's just not going to work out well and your audience is going to complain about it.
0: Tom also mentioned that you are writing a screenplay.
2: Okay, so the screenplay that I've been working on is for a comedy show. Uh, Basically, so we have our main character. Her name is Audrey and she's like, she's a businesswoman. She She has an office job and she was about to be engaged at the beginning of the series. But the thing about Audrey is that she's not your typical everyday person because she is actually a quintuplet she was born with several other siblings i think it's five in total so she has four other brothers and so she left home when she was 18 years old so she could be independent but then just when her life is settling in her four brothers just show up out of nowhere at different times. One of the brothers is called Oswald. He was the first one who asked to actually be in her house because he had an incident and he can't live on his own anymore. So he asked him to move in with her. And then the three other brothers, Wayne, Trevor and Phil, they all just move into her house. And the pilot episode is about her coming to terms with the fact that her brothers are in her life and just ruining everything. They all have very distinct personalities. So it's kind of like an everyday sitcom, but it's it's mostly focused on comedy. So it's mostly about this girl. She has like a normal life, and then everything just gets ruined. There's like a narrative. um, There's a narrative. As there's a saying for it, I think it's like the story mountain. Like you know, you got the beginning, and then you got the climax, and then you got the end. It's kind of like that.
0: So I guess it kind of deviates from I guess the typical sitcom format of. Kind of having every episode be its own uh individual story it has that continuity going through it
2: yeah um so the events of the first episode directly affect every episode that comes after it so um the characters if i could go into that for a bit so absolutely. we have already explained audrey and then i have oswald he's the positive one he sees the positivity in absolutely everything And even when his other brothers are mean to him, because they are, you know, siblings argue all the time, like he just sees the most positive thing on everything. He's so nice. And you're just thinking, why is this guy so nice? Why is he so kind? But the twist is that I wouldn't say that he's not nice. He's just not as innocent as he comes across. He's actually very calculating underneath, but he hides it under the positivity. I think like we all know someone who just seems all sunshine and rainbows. But when you look deeper, it's just, it's not really all about that. And then we have Wayne. Wayne is, I'd say he's, the, he seems like more of the, ne- he's the negative one. So he's the anti Oswald. Negative about everything. He was originally living with his mom, like the mother, before all this happened until she kind of kicked him out because he wasn't doing anything. So instead of mooching off his mom, he's going to mooch off his sister's house now. And, well, he did initially have a job, but he just kept getting fired because he's rude to all the customers. Anyone who has worked in customer service knows that people can be really rude and so he's supposed to be like like the audience think of like the audience who's worked in the fast food industry and they know what it's like. so he's supposed to like reflect that. but he's also very sarcastic as well just sarcastic about everything just a comment for everything and then we have Trevor he used to have a business of his own but it w- it went it went bankrupt and he has no home no nothing so he goes and lives with his sister right lives because he didn't really ask he just showed up and the thing about him is that he's someone who tries to pretend like he's the smartest all the time but he's not really that smart like you see you notice every character has like your perception of them and then what's underneath so and then phil that's the last character he's supposed to be like a womanizer type of character just has lots and lots and lots of women that he's dating and the worst part is he just brings them over to his sister's house so she wakes up in the morning she walks into the kitchen and there's always someone new there she gets really angry about that and he's like no no it's fine it's you know so yeah those are the cast that i created I have a strong attachment to my characters. I see them as kind of like my children. I created them, I know everything about them. And I think it's important when you're creating a character that you keep in mind, treat it as a real person. You know, don't treat it as just, oh, you know, this is its purpose in the narrative. If you treat every character like a person, your audience will see it that way. Because even in the most obscure TV show in the world, like there's someone out there who has a favorite character from that show. So it's important that you put your heart and your, I'd say, your creativity into each character that you create.
0: With sitcoms, to me, that's really important. Remembering the characters and having, uh, I guess, that relatability aspect to it. So I'm thinking about my favorite sitcoms. Um, I, I watched Seinfeld recently. All the characters in that are really memorable and they almost become kind of like your own friends just through watching them. So, have you tried to get that effect in yours as well?
2: Well, yeah, I'd say so because the thing is, um with siblings, that everyone has like a different relationship with their with their siblings, right? Um, sometimes you guys can be the closest thing ever. Sometimes you can just not be that at all and just argue constantly or you know mildly tolerate each other's existence. I feel like in media people are all like, oh, you need to get along with your siblings. It doesn't matter if you guys are arguing all the time you need to get along with them um well, I don't think this is necessarily always the case because it's a bit more complex than that it doesn't mean you hate them you just don't get along with them and I think what has to happen is since Audrey's been away from her family for a while now, she needs to kind of learn she doesn't have to accept her brother's um tolerate it she kind of just has to you know accept that this is the way they are and if they do something wrong she's gonna tell them but to be like oh I forgive everything even though you ate the food that I specifically told you not to eat it's fine it's okay she's not it's not gonna be like that she's gonna be annoyed but she's still gonna love her brothers and they're still gonna be a family just you don't have to tolerate everything bad your family does you kind of just kind of have to go through it like that so I think that's important you need to see like if you see them as a family, you'll relate to her protagonist because if you have food in the fridge, you told people not to eat it and then they eat it, you're going to be annoyed. So you're going to feel Audrey's frustration. But since the, the, the main point is that Audrey is supposed to become closer to her brothers and understand the way they are, you're supposed to put yourself in her shoes. You're the sister. You're going to have to tolerate all your annoying brothers and figure out how you're going to have to learn how to accept the way they are and this is the way things are now
0: thank you for sharing Beatrice Uh, like I mentioned I am really interested in creative writing and it's something we're going to talk about more in the next half of the podcast for now though we're going to go to the film club segment so this is the film club segment of the podcast we ask our guests what their favorite film or tv series is so Beatrice what is your favorite film or tv series
2: It's a difficult question because normally when I engage with media I I don't when I'm when I'm finished with it and I have decided that I've liked it I don't really necessarily have a favorite like I'll have a collection of films that I really like less than a favorite because you know like when it comes to media at the end of the day you're going to be consuming a lot of it especially nowadays and sometimes you can't really like rank it because what you really like one film for you might like another film for a completely different reason though if i had to think of a movie at the top of my head that i really like and this might sound a bit silly but i really like space jam i really like that film it's um it's campy it's whimsical and for its time period the animation mixed in with the live action is really good um it's one big glorified ad they've even admitted it but it ne- it doesn't fail to be entertaining and um i'd say that you know when you're making a film it depends on genre of course but you need to it's absolutely necessary that you see that there's a story that needs to be told like nowadays reboots remakes of things in the past they're so soulless they're lifeless you can see that they're not doing this because they want to they're doing it because they want to make money if there's a 10-year gap between the original film and the sequel it's a bit you know like it's easy to tell that you're not really doing this because you want to it's because you're trying to make money i'm not a fan of that reboots and revivals there's nothing really wrong with them in concept but if it's clear that you just don't respect you don't respect the original and you don't respect the fans of the original, you're not going to get far. It's just not going to be good.
0: So I take it you don't like the new Space Jam.
2: <laughs> no, I don't. I, I personally I don't wasn't it. a fan either. I, I I did not watch it. Right. And I say I don't. How can you say you don't like something even though you haven't watched it? Look, I've seen the trailers. I saw what they were trying to do, and honestly, I'm going to be honest. I like movies from the 90s and the 80s more than I like movies from nowadays because like there's a distinction. Back then, you'd see multiple movies coming out from different companies. Nowadays, the only movies that I really see in cinemas nowadays are like Marvel films or some, sometimes it's films from other studios, but most of the time it's just Marvel films. And about the new Space Jam, I've got a fun fact. It did not make nearly as much money as the original. The original was somewhere in the like 200 million and the Space German New Legacy was like in the a hundred million category. The point is that it did not make as much money as the original. Do I blame it? No, the original came in, I think 1995, if I'm not mistaken. And the new revival came out in like 20, 20, 2020 or 2021, something around that time. That's a big gap. Audiences change. People change. You can't just take a movie from the past and try to create it now because you have to keep in mind that back in the 90s, the Looney Tunes and Michael Jordan were a huge thing, which, you know, granted it the success that it did as well as being an entertaining film. Uh, from the new legacy thing, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the film. Uh, I won't go into that today, but. <laughs> Um, There was a lot of controversy and there was like this huge scene where they tried to include all the characters from Warner Brothers properties. I saw that and I thought, what was the point? There was no point to add all these pointless cameos. Like it feels like they made the film just for the cameos and not for much else. It's just not that great.
1: Has there ever been a film that has, maybe not a favourite film, but a film that's ever influenced your
2: writing at all? Film that's influenced my writing. Um, yes, there is one. And it's not really a live action film. It's an animation film. I saw this like years ago when I was a child, but it's the one distinct film that I can remember changing my perception of stories. Don't laugh, but it's comfy Fu Panda <laughs> 2. Um, it's this film specifically because like, um, It's a very, yeah, it's a kid's film, we'll we'll say kid's film, but it's also, it's very dark and gritty. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie before, but I'll try my best to explain how it shaped um, my uh, future for when it came to writing. Um, So the main protagonist, um, he starts getting PTSD during the beginning of the film. Like he sees the main villain, who's a peacock, his feathers trigger PTSD in him like before this he was fine he wasn't worried about his past or whatever and then he sees it and then he starts thinking about his past and then there's like an adventure that they have to go through and he has like a confrontation with the main villain and when I saw the way like it had dark colors and everything the atmosphere was set when I saw the way this protagonist spoke to the main villain about his past because the villain did end up committing genocide on his race and like they go into that and they they were talking and it was just like a really heightened intense moment. Like I could feel myself in the scene. I could feel the tension. I was thinking to myself, I could write a story about a character who has to come face to face with the darkness of their past and they can see the person who's responsible for it standing in front of them. If I was that character, what would I say to them? How would i make this scene intense because you know everyone's going to react to a situation differently but the power would be in my hands i would control how the character would react i would control how the villain spoke to the hero i would control how this affected them i could describe it through my own words and you know bring that to my audience and that's when i realized you know i want to write stories i want to write something cool like that something emotional and impactful I want to be able to do that.
0: I enjoy a lot of um, animation that is typically uh, associated as being like children's films. I find that they, they get across ideas that are really serious, like the ones that you mentioned in a way that's quite accessible to a wide audience. Part of that I think is the creativity that comes with having animation um, as a visual format and telling the story through that as well
2: okay so the medium of animation is often something that some people look down on they see it as an inferior form of storytelling or a juvenile or childish way of storytelling as compared to real life people and I think that's bogus I'm just going to say that off the bat animation I know I'm not an animation student I probably would have been if I was good at drawing but I'm not (laughs) writing is what I'm good at but I think um Writing and animation come together like really nicely. see the thing about animation is that it's not constricted to the real world. You can do anything with the power of animation like literally the whole world is at the whim of your pen. you could do literally anything like you could make like for example, like if you were making a live action film and you had someone drop a bowling ball on someone's head, it's like probably not it wouldn't be as um it wouldn't be as comedic as if it was an animation like if you watch tom and jerry you see they have a lot of slapstick that wouldn't really work in live action it would come off as a bit strange uh, it can be done like if you've seen the mask with jim carrey in it yeah there's a lot of cartoony and zany things in there but i guess it takes a specific actor to be able to portray that because not everyone can Um, Another thing if you look at the Disney live action remakes and you compare them to the originals you can see that you know animation just allows you to be more expressive more creative when you've got live action people I'm not saying that's a bad form I'm just saying it's not as grandiose as everyone thinks it is like these two forms live action and animation can be on the same level in the forms of storytelling they're both very important and they're both very expressive just in different different yeah. ways. Like they
0: have their own strengths.
2: Yes. Um another thing I'd like to mention is Pixar films, because I'm pretty sure everyone here has seen at least one Pixar film, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm a Cars. big fan of <laughs> Cars. I'm a big fan of Pixar films.
2: About those. Um see I'm I'm mentioning Pixar specifically because I can remember that back in the earlier days, earlier Pixar films, you know, Monsters Inc., Ratatouille cars as well as you mentioned these movies have like specific values that are instilled within the plot um for example i think like you know finding Mimo, the beginning of finding Mimo, that part with the barracuda and stuff that part was it, people may seem this a bit extreme for children but i thought it was quite necessary because it exemplifies why the main character has is so protective over his son the way he is and the, the main moral of Finding Mimo was that you need to, like, let go. You need to, you know, you're not always going to know what's going to happen, but you kind of need to let go. You need to just let it be because people are going to grow up and you can't really maintain the holds that you have over your children. You, you kind of just have to let them go and experience that into the world. And Ratatouille, my, one of my favorite Pixar movies, Um, it's the main message about that is that you shouldn't let people tell you what you can and can't do. Because as long as you have the ambition and the strife, then you can get anywhere you want. You just got to put the hard work into it. Because one of the quotes in the story is, not everyone can be a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. I think this is very important. Because some people, you know, people have eyes, you know, they use their eyes to analyze you. Think, hmm, you might not be that good at this, or you might not be too good at that. But people should really, you know, look beyond that. Because you never know what someone's capable of just by looking at them. I think that's an important message as well. And um, I dare say that these messages wouldn't be as effective in live action because, you know, rats in real life don't have expressions, they don't talk. But in animation, we can believe that this is part of the world because, you know, the animation style allows us to see it that way. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it's very important.
0: Okay, that's the film club over. Let's roll credits.
1: So it's really interesting to hear how passionate you are about your creative writing. And I just have a few questions for you about it. So I heard you say earlier that you share your stories online. Um, I just wanted to know if maybe you have a target audience for your stories or if you have a range. And if so, why do you have a target audience for them?
2: um usually um uh, my target audiences are usually people between the ages of I'd say 13 and up mm-hmm. because um fandom spaces are quite diverse I'd say like there's people of all ages and specific fandoms like Star Wars fans can be people of any and all ages and if they're interested in writing who's to say that they're not going to stumble across something I've written and just read it and be like oh that's pretty good um but uh when it comes to writing online since it's more of a whoever stumbles upon it kind of thing i'm not really targeting for anything specific like i will not have extremely extremely mature themes in my stories like i wouldn't it's something i'd say balanced it's pretty balanced like something you would watch on tv however i wouldn't say that this is the case for things like movies and um tv shows because with movies and TV shows, you need to be aiming for a specific audience, especially if it's a reboot or a revival. I've seen too many times where companies don't think about like the previous property or the fan base of the previous property, and they kind of just dive headfirst into whatever they want. Like It's not recommended, it's not going to do as well, because you're not taking into consideration the culture surrounding that film. Like we all know pop icon films like Jaws and Star Wars and things that have gone on to create like franchises. The fans, you always have to keep the fans in mind. Can't please everyone, that's the case. But generally speaking, you should try your best to appeal to that audience because it affects how successful your project will be in the end run. So I guess my answer would be, so if it's doing things online, like independently, it's not as important because you have like a broad range, but with official things like movies, TV shows, et cetera, you need to be mindful of your audience. It's pivotal if you want what you're making to succeed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Something you mentioned earlier was that your characters are your own. It's like you, they're your children, I think you said. Um, And it reminded me of this piece of advice that I think a lot of writers get and it's that the best stories are like personal to you. So when you're writing stories and characters, do you base those on experience?
2: Um, Well, yes, kind of. I say kind of because you know, If I wanted to write a story about going to space, I couldn't just walk up to NASA and be like, hey, I really want to write this story. I was wondering if you could organize a spaceship for me, maybe this Saturday, like I couldn't do that. But um, maybe I could, if I was writing, let's say I was writing a comedy film, I could remember a funny exchange I had with my friend and make myself in the story, have this funny exchange with an alien instead. Like I could do that. So it's kind of a mixture, I'd say. Like, they say, the the advice that you said, that the best stories are personal. I agree. But to an extent, I also feel like you need to kind of loosen the hold that you have on your story. Don't make it too personal. Because at the end of the day, like, it's supposed stories are something that can be wildly interpreted. Everyone has their own interpretations of movies. And frankly, if you really want your creative sparks to fly... You can have a tight hold in your story, just not too tight. Give it room to breathe.
0: I agree with what you've said that having personal stories is good, but to a certain limit. If it's too personal, I find I'm not really that interested in it. I find it can often be a bit too uh, like raw. I suppose is the word. I enjoy a lot of like fantasy films, so like Lord of the Rings films are some of my favorites, and those are fantasy. Obviously, these things never happened. The writer would never have uh, experienced these things.
1: So when I was in secondary school, I really enjoyed creative writing. And I know you said earlier about how you linked maybe an exchange between you and your friends, maybe into a story. And I used to really struggle with creative writing in school because I could just never think of any ideas. So I was going to ask... um, is there any things that are like happen in your daily life that make an impact on your stories? Like something you would definitely write about? Like, is there something you remember that um has made a big impact?
2: I would say if people are struggling with creative writing, the most important thing is just feel. That's what's important. You need to feel. Like, for example, I wrote this uh, short story about a girl who was running away from a zombie and she had to climb over like a huge fence. So I closed my eyes and I think to myself, okay, it's a post-apocalyptic world and my family's all gone and there's a zombie chasing after me. I had to feel, I had to think of all the moments in which I experienced the same feelings. Like I had to think of when I experienced fear. What did that feel like? My heart was beating so fast, I could hear it in my ears. My lungs were hurting because I've been running for so long and I was out of breath. I thought about those things and I felt it. Upon feeling these things, I could then transform my feelings into words on the paper. And I thought about the time I really hurt myself. How did it feel? And then when I thought about that, I felt it. And then I thought, oh no, that's the zombie biting my leg, biting this character's leg. And she's trying to scramble up, but she can't because it's burning and you can feel the blood pouring out. Like you use your past experiences, you feel them and you transform them into words. You can use them in fictional settings as well. Like I made the analogy with the zombie. I've never been bitten by a zombie, but it's cool. I've had, um, I've had injuries before think about how they feel and transfer them into words and put them on the page. That's the best approach, I think.
0: I also had a question about uh, writing advice. Something I struggle with is staying motivated with writing. I find that when I'm writing more long form stories or uh, like I'd like to write a screenplay or uh, a short story, I can get kind of demotivated and not really stick to it as much and kind of abandon it. So what advice do you have for staying motivated?
2: Um, First off, losing motivation or writing something that you feel, oh, this is rubbish, who's going to want to read this? It's very common. I struggle with this every time. It's also one of the reasons why I'm currently on break from writing, because sometimes you're on a roll and sometimes you're just slowing down and everything is shutting down. Uh, For me personally, motivation is a fickle thing. It's never going to come to you when you want it. And the more you want motivation to come to you, the less it's going to come to you. Um, motivation. I mean, for me, a section of my motivation comes from the comments I get when I post my stories online. People are very encouraging. They say, oh, I love this story. Please keep writing more. Or they talk about a moment that happened in the story and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. And that makes me happy because people are engaging with my story and that motivates me. Well, if this is what the people want, might as well give them more of it. It's not always effective. And maybe you don't want to post your stories online or anything like that. So it wouldn't be a method for that. Um, I would as a good motivation is to think of it as less of the destination and more of the journey. Like you, imagine how good you're going to feel once you get this written down. And your first draft is not always going to be the best. Your first draft is gonna suck. But I think there's a critic in all of us. So you know what you do? You get all your brain juice and you type everything down. You type your whole story. And then once you're done with that, you throw away your creative side out the window and bring in your critical side and use that critical side to analyze what you've written, change it, fix it. That's what you got to do. Cause i think there's a critic in all of us sometimes we can look at other people's work and be like that's no good if i was writing this i would have done that do that but to your own work and once you've done that and you've read over it you're gonna be like whoa i i wrote this no way i did not write this someone else wrote this stephen king wrote this like that's what you should do yes it could be hard and what you're gonna feel like what you're writing is crap but just, just keep doing it now, the point is is that we're not perfect. Rome was not built in a day. You're going to have to keep trying and to just motivate yourself by telling yourself, this is going to feel all great when it's done. Can I say crap? Can I not say crap? Go for I didn't it. mean to say Go crap.
0: That's <laughs> no, it. It's a 12A podcast. It's fun.
1: Um, I know you just mentioned about Stephen King there. So I was just going to ask, do you have a favorite author? Uh, when I was little,
2: I liked Jacqueline Wilson. Oh, I I loved Jacqueline Wilson when I was (laughs) younger. I read all of her books, like all of them. Um, There was a library in my uh, primary school and they had like a bunch of shelves of Jacqueline Wilson books. Um, I started reading, but those weren't really fantasy most of the time. They were real life stories like, oh, this girl is going through this or she's going through that, which is why when I first started writing, most of my stories were family orientated stories because of Jacqueline Wilson she the illustrations were nice so it caught my attention the stories were realistic and it was just really entertaining I don't know what to describe about her writing that makes it just so engaging but it's really really good so I read most of her books that was my favorite author as a child um I also like Jeff Kinney when he wrote the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books those were really popular back then as well And they had illustrations. It was more of a simplistic form of writing, but the illustrations managed to, you know, really pull my attention in, which goes back to what I was saying before. Animation and writing are like best buddies. Together, they can achieve so many great things. So those are the ones that I can think of at the moment.
0: I'd like to know, what are your aspirations with writing?
2: (sighs) Well, um, you know, growing up, um I struggled a lot because I perceived myself to have no talent I could see the girls they could skip and I couldn't skip no matter how much I tried I just couldn't skip uh when it came to mathematics all the other everyone else was really good at maths and I really sucked at it and when I grew older and I saw everyone around me achieving things with their lives. Oh, do you know your friend? He's like only 14 and he's got his own business. Or look, look at her, she's like what, 16 and she's got like over a million followers on Instagram. And when you see that, you start to feel inadequate. You're thinking, well, they're doing all that stuff and they're young, why can't I do stuff like that? Like I remember watching The X Factor and feeling really terrible about myself. Because I can't sing, my voice cracks. And then seeing <laughs> everyone else sing beautifully and then get all this praise by the judges, the glory, the fame, the golden buzzer and everything. Like I used to see that, And I think to myself, why isn't my life like that? I want my life to be like that. I want to achieve something. And this, my aspirations now is that I want to be a someone. Someone that people are going to be like, oh, you know that TV show? Oh, yeah, I remember that TV show. They don't need to remember me specifically. They need to remember what I've made. Some like maybe I've made a film, maybe I've made a character, maybe I've made a TV show. And 50 years from now, everyone's going to be like, do you remember that cartoon character? Oh, yeah, I remember that character. That is all that I want. I don't even mind if people don't remember me. If they remember what I've created... This is all I want because it's gonna prove to everyone that like, it's just not, oh, she's weird. She she, she doesn't do anything. Oh, I haven't seen her achieve the same things her cousins or her friends are doing. Like maybe I have to come to terms that with what I'm trying to do of what I'm trying to achieve, it's gonna take a little bit longer than what everyone else is currently achieving. As long as I can make an impact, as long as I can make something that people will remember, then that's all I want. Storytelling is so powerful. I mean, our whole society revolves around stories in a sense. I mean, movie companies, they're making movies every year. Media is being produced every year. And it's important for me to make me feel like I've made a dent, that I've made some kind of contribution to the world as a whole. As long as I can do at least something or at least work on something that's big or, you know, just make something, then that's all I need. This is all I want to achieve.
0: Beatrice, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, I enjoy listening to people who are so passionate about their interests. And I really hope you do create that one piece of media that lasts and is your legacy.
1: Maybe we'll be talking about it again yeah. in 50 years' time.
0: <laughs> if you'd like to be on an episode of the BDC Podcast, send us an email. We are digitallearning at bdc.ac.uk. We'll be back in two weeks with another podcast episode.